And hello and welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now here in the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, I'm sure no one has to spend any time having a hard time guessing what I'm going to be talking about this evening. Um, and today, if you're listening <laughs> during the, the day, uh, it's been a very tough 48, 72 hours here in the New York area for New York's Jewish community, especially the Orthodox Jewish community. We have already been under the scourge of an uptick in violent anti-Semitic attacks going on really for months now, since the summer months, uh, almost daily or at least weekly reports of attacks. And we've seen a lot of attacks on video, uh, some of which were really disturbing. And the worst of it still from the point of death continues to be the attack on the Jewish supermarket, the kosher supermarket in Jersey City earlier this month. But we could have had something much worse, and it ended up being quite bad as it is anyway on Saturday night with the machete attack. Uh, the man with the machete barging into a Hanukkah celebration at a rabbi's home next to a synagogue in Muncie Saturday night, leaving one person very critically injured, a few other people injured, and the um, man was subsequently arrested. So unlike the case in Jersey City, where the two shooters and the attackers were killed by police in the crossfire, uh, this man will apparently uh, be at least go through the, the, the legal system. He has pleaded not guilty. I don't know if you know what lawyer advised him to do that. Uh, I don't think anyone is denying that he was there and carried out the attack, but we'll see how this goes. It may have just been a knee-jerk, not guilty plea. Um, what I'm hoping doesn't happen, because this happens sometimes in criminal trials that involve hate crimes, sometimes in serial killings also, the defendant admits that he committed the crime, and it's almost always a he. They admit that they commit the crime or they committed the violence, but then they use the trial as a platform to give their hateful, twisted, strange reasons for the attacks, and they love getting that platform and they like that notoriety. Um, That has been the MO for some of these kinds of cases in the past. I hope that isn't what happens here. Um, But we'll see as it it plays out. Um, Almost as outrageous and as hurtful and as terrible as these attacks themselves has been the response to them from a number of politicians, a number of people in the news media, and a number of people even within the Jewish community who are very simply making it worse. These people who I am going to spend much of this next remaining time we have in Novak now discussing and talking about are absolutely making the, prob- the problem worse, absolutely inviting more attacks on our fellow Jews with their conduct. And I think for the most part, they don't care. I think that there are some who are just misguided. You know, I, you've heard me say this before on Novak Now in previous editions. In, in the face of great tragedies and great atrocities like this, there are a certain number of otherwise well-meaning people who just say stupid stuff because they're, it's, it's, it's a difficult moment. They don't know what to say, and so the first dumb thing that comes to their mind comes out of their mouth. How many times have you been to a shiva house when there's been someone who's passed away, especially someone maybe a little bit younger or a little bit more of a sudden death, and you hear somebody at the Shiva house say, well, this was God's plan, or God doesn't ever give you anything that you can't handle. That might be a somewhat appropriate thing to say in a study group without the mourner there or some discussion about whether that's true or not. 
but you sometimes hear that in a shiva house and i don't think the person the people who say those kinds of things are meaning to be harmful i think they're just not thinking <laughs> they're probably embarrassed about the situation it's so uncomfortable i get it and so i think that there are some people who are saying the wrong things about this spike in anti-Semitic attacks and about this attack in, in Muncie and in Jersey City. I think there are some people who are saying the wrong things about that who are just simply uncomfortable, don't know what to say, and they've said something really ill-advised and stupid who don't mean to be harmful, hurtful. However, I think that there are also quite a few more people, sadly, especially among the politicians and some journalists and some other supposedly Jewish spokespeople who know exactly what they're saying, know exactly why they're saying it, and it doesn't matter about the situation. They have a certain agenda that they need to push, and they don't care that, about what they're saying being hurtful or harmful. And most importantly, they don't care whether it's true or not. They have their agenda. They have their war to fight. And darn anybody else who gets into their way. And I think that that has been something that we've seen sadly over the in the hours and in the days since this attack in Muncie. And we saw it also after the the deadly attack in Jersey City. I want to start unfortunately with the Anti-Defamation League. And let me tell you something about the Anti-Defamation League, which ostensibly has a great charter. I mean their their goal is to defend not only Jews, but all minorities and all groups that are being targeted by hate crimes, which I think is a very, as it's stated on paper, I think that that's a very lofty goal. And I don't think that any Jewish group that's worried about anti-Semitism and worried about protecting Jews needs to be shut off to uh, anti-black hatred or hatred against Christians. Uh, And by the way, worldwide, despite the Jews being heavily targeted here in the United States and of course in Israel as well, over the last few years, Christians have actually become the most persecuted group as far as deadly attacks, by the way. You should know that. Um, mostly, of course, in Muslim countries, in, in mixed Muslim Christian countries in Africa is really ground zero for a lot of Christians right now. But for those of you who know what happened to the Christian communities in uh, Gaza, for example, or in places in Lebanon and things like that, we know that this is not that unusual, but it's gotten worse for them too. So I don't think there's anything wrong with groups that are Jewish, that are looking to be uh, protecting against anti-Semitism, also looking at other groups who are being oppressed and being targeted, or whatever you want to call it, uh, by hate crimes and hate groups. Uh, it's certainly, there's nothing wrong with the ADL or other groups like that having that in that in their charter. The problem is, and this has always been the problem with the ADL, and it's just gotten worse in the last 10 years or so. The problem is that the ADL has always been singularly focused on Christian anti-Semitism, singularly focused on white supremacism, singularly focused on non-Muslim, non-people of color who are anti-Semitic. And yes, there are plenty of people like that. There are a lot of white supremacists. I don't think that there's any more than there used to be. I don't believe this uptick in white supremacy. They're getting a lot more attention and a lot more publicity from the news media and from Democrats who seem to want to elevate these people to a very high level, which is really foolish. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But they certainly exist. And the ADL has nothing, there's nothing wrong with the ADL focusing on them. But the problem is that they are singularly focused on them. And they were singularly focused on them, even when Abe Foxman, basically the founding father of the ADL, was running the place until just a few years ago, when Jason Greenblatt took over, uh, Jonathan Greenblatt, Jonathan Greenblatt, important difference, Jonathan Greenblatt took over 
at the ADL. Abe Foxman, I, I had a lot of personal history with him uh, through my family. Not, uh, I, I know a lot about where he's coming from. He's not a friend of religious people, period, including Jewish people. He's not a religious person, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he has, a, he has a, an antagonism towards religious people of any religion. That is something that is very clear from if you get to know him and get to meet him and talk with him. He's not a great lover of Orthodox Jews or devout Christians or devout Muslims. It just doesn't, he's not really into that. Okay, but he's got a problem with them that isn't okay. And thus, he's always been, he was always really much more focused on Christian anti-Semitism. And he always had a very tin ear to the huge change that we've seen in Christianity, especially among evangelicals over the last 50 years, 60 years, really ever since the end of World War II, where there's been a massive change among a lot of Christians to be more pro-Jewish, to be more intolerant of anti-Semitism, and to be certainly more pro-Israel. He's been, he had a huge tin ear to that. He just did not notice it, didn't seem to care about noticing it. And any time, and, and, and of course, at the end of Abe Foxman's tenure running the ADL, you had this huge spike in Islamic terrorism and the targeting of Jews and Christians and anybody else who wasn't Islamic or wasn't the, the sect of Islam that, that, they, that they supported. As you know, more Muslims kill each other in a day than, than anybody else kills Muslims in a year. That always happens. And A. Foxman just was never as interested in that. It was almost as if it was an insult to him and all the work that he had done to focus on white supremacists and the KKK and all those groups. He just didn't want to hear about very much about other types of anti-Semitic groups. And that, of course, was independent of any of his political leanings. I don't know what presidents Abe Foxman supported or didn't like. That was never his part. That was never part of his MO, thankfully. It, it ended with his tin ear, which I thought was terrible as, in and of itself. He just, he just really only wanted to focus on Christians, devout Christians. He was always overly suspicious of evangelicals. Look, evangelicals and their support of Israel and support of Jews, to me, is a very, very good thing. Do the evangelicals still want to convert Jews and make them Christians? Yeah. Fine. Good luck with that. Uh, we need to be prepared for that as Jews when we talk with them and when we engage with them and say, look, we are, we are not leaving our Jewish faith. We are not going to accept your Messiah. That's not what we're going to do, but we're also not in the mood to insult you or put you down to your face. That's not what we're trying to do here. We know that we have a lot in common, and it's getting more and more in common every day. Let's talk about that. And if they're still not willing to engage uh, only on that issue, and they, and they insist on the whole forceful conversion thing, which, again, very few of them do anymore, at least, at least when they are confronted with devout Jews. When they see a Jew with a yarmulke, and they see a Jew who knows what, what the Torah is, they kind of know that the, there's no sale going on here today. And we can also ask them, hey, when there are Jews who are disengaged and you go after them, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe give them our, num- give them our number so we can get them more involved in being Jews. Uh, these are issues that we can talk about with them. To me, these are secondary, tertiary, fourth-level questions that aren't anywhere near as important as the fact that they are supportive of Jews and the safety of Jews and they are supportive of the state of Israel, especially in the fact that the state of Israel protects Jews and has a mission to protect Jews all over the world. But A. Foxman was really into that, and, 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 and that was a problem. Now you have Jonathan Greenblatt, who has taken up that same, that same position as A. Foxman, but he's added another very disturbing ingredient to this, and this is before the election of President Trump. Jonathan Greenblatt, coming from the Obama administration before he worked at the ADL, was a very partisan Democrat. Now, look, I'm not expecting people not to, be, to have 
a party or a preference when they go into a Jewish organization. I'm not saying that anyone who goes to lead a Jewish organization, whether it's ADL, Hillel, Hadassah, I'm not saying, oh, you, you can't have been registered to any party. You can't have ever given donated money to a candidate. I'm not saying that. I'm not asking for that kind of a purity test. But to come from the Obama administration in the days after the Iran deal was signed, the Iran deal that put so many Jews in danger and has led to the deaths of Jews. I'm sorry, folks, you've heard me talk about this on Novak Now before. Nuclear program or no nuclear program, the Iran deal put billions and billions of dollars into the hands of the mullahs in Tehran who have used that money to kill Jews and a lot of other people, too. And any Jewish organization supporting that deal needs to be ashamed of itself, should not be considered a viable leader in the Jewish community anymore, and that includes members of Congress who supported it who are Jewish, like Jerry Nadler who, and Cory Booker, who was not Jewish but, but was supposedly a big friend of the Jews. These people cannot be considered our friends, whether they're Jewish or not, if they supported that deal. And I know that there are some people who trot out the two or three people in, in, the, in the former Mossad um, architecture who were already uh, retired, who, who, who liked the Iran deal, who, who, who continue to get airtime and discussed in, in stories as if they actually represent somebody other than themselves. They don't. The overwhelming majority of Israelis in the 90 percentile range are against the Iran deal from the beginning, and that includes the politicians from all parties. And yeah, you can trot out a couple of re- retired guys who agreed with it. They don't count. I'm sorry, they just don't. Not in any statistical real way and not in a cultural way. So to choose somebody like that coming from the Obama, it, again, it's okay that you're a member of a party. It's okay that you donated to somebody. I'm not expecting that kind of purity from someone who goes on to lead a Jewish organization. But this was someone who was a very partisan Democrat. Jonathan Greenlight was a very partisan Democrat. I would not want a very partisan Republican leading the ADL either or Hillel. Or Hadassah. These are organizations that need, or APAC. These are organizations that need to be, have some semblance of impartiality or at least some semblance of nonpartisanship somewhere in their leadership. And Jonathan Greenblatt immediately failed that test. And then he went on to, of course, adopt the Abe Foxman outlook that Christians were the bigger threat to Jews than any other group, which is, just hasn't been true for centuries really but certainly hasn't been true since world war ii i I mean honestly it's just it's just a fact it's just a fact i mean christian muslims in in in, for for example christian arabs for example even christian arabs aren't anywhere near as much of a threat as islamists anywhere in the world are to jews and any and everybody knows it but jonathan greenblatt has taken it even a step further by being just as obsessed and anti-trump as most democrats are so you already have a partisan guy who supported the Iran deal, a partisan Democrat who, even if he didn't support the, the Iran deal, would have been a bad choice to lead the ADL. Then he makes it worse by taking on the continuing the, 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 the tradition of Abe Foxman and Abe, Fox, Abe Foxman's ill-advised, Ill, Ill, ill-advised obsession with Christians and his, and his decision to downplay the truer threat from Islamists. And he adds this fourth dimension of problems with the fact that he really, really hates President Trump. And his organization has taken on what I think is probably the number one hit with the bullet, for those of you who know your Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. The number one hit with the bullet with Democrats lately and with leftists is when it's a song they sing to President Trump every day, which is, if I can't blame you, I don't care about it, baby. If they can't blame Trump for any problem, they're not interested 
in the problem, no matter how serious it is. And you saw from so many of these people in the last couple of days since the Muncie attack that if they talked about how bad it was, then they said, but of course, there's a tone from the White House that's, that's setting this tone. Mayor de Blasio said that on Fox on Sunday. And you didn't have Greenblatt on CNN on Sunday, but you had one of his deputies, Oren Siegel, who went on with Jake Tapper and, and basically rolled his eyes, shrugged off a good question from Jake Tapper, which was, if this, don't you think there would be more of an outrage from, from groups like yours if this were white supremacists who committed this attack? You know, it was an African-American man, let's say it. It was an African-American man who, who committed this machete attack in Muncie. It was African-Americans who committed the deadly shooting attacks in Jersey City. The African-Americans in this country and in this part of of, of New York have a large number of people who are anti-Semitic. It's just true. And who have been behind each and every one of these violent attacks in Brooklyn basically since the summer. Does this mean that all black people hate Jews? Of course not. Does this mean that every black community needs, uh, needs to change completely? No. There are some that are not a problem. There's a lot of, by the way, there's a lot of pro-Zionist, pro-Jewish black churches just like white evangelical churches. But there is an inordinate amount of anti-Semites in the African-American community in this area, and that is just a fact. And this needs to be addressed by the good people in that community, of which there are many. Here's the problem. Are we even asking them to do that? After Jersey City, we heard Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio basically talk about white supremacists. I mean, it, was, it would have been funny if it weren't horrifically atro- atrocious. There is nothing good or decent about denying who has committed these attacks. And we're not even asking the African-American community leaders or people in that community, just individuals, we're not even asking them to do, do anything about this because most of our leaders have decided to talk about something else. They want to blame President Trump. They said there's a tone being set from the White House. That's what Mayor de Blasio said today. I mean, it's just incredible. They cannot address any problem in this world. I mean, honestly, does the, does the man, when the man stubs his toe, when Mayor de Blasio stubs his toe, does he say, darn Trump? I mean, these people are, again, as, I've, as you've heard me say, they are showing signs of mental illness. When you are so obsessed about one person, and one thing, and everything is about that person, and everything is about having to get him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a mentally ill behavior. Does it mean that you, you need to be hospitalized? I, I don't think so. Some people probably do. But people who are just blaming every bad thing in the world or can't stop talking about President Trump are, I'm sorry, they are exhibiting a sign of mental illness. Most of us, including me, are not trained to, to treat them. I'm not saying I can do that. But I know that when I hear somebody talking about President Trump being responsible for African-American violent acts of anti-Semitism, we're, we're not dealing with someone playing with a full deck, at least at that moment. They might be okay on other things, but they're not playing with a full deck at that moment. But it's not just a joke, and it's not an insult. I'm not here to do that. I'm not trying to insult people, and I'm not trying to stigmatize mental illness. I'm not. Believe me. But I am saying that if you continue to blame people who are not to blame for certain attacks, then you are encouraging the attackers to continue in two ways. One is you send out that signal that, hey, you're not going to be blamed publicly. You're not gonna, you may not get blamed at all. Maybe that's why this guy in the machete attack pled not guilty. He'll, he'll take his chances. We know that one of the women who assaulted uh, some Orthodox Jewish women in Brooklyn last week has already been let go. No, no jail time, nothing. 
no, no court date, nothing. We know that Mayor de Blasio is pushing much fewer bail uh, 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 options on anyone, period. No more cash bail. So people are getting out of prison without, you know, people are basically getting out of the system. I, I hope these people show up for trial, the ones who don't have any bail. I mean, I, I, there's certainly going to be a spike in numbers of people who don't show up. And this is all for the vote. This is not compassion. Again, because, again, we, we, we're, we're focusing on these anti-Semitic attacks right now. But understand that minorities, when they get arrested for something, whether it's an African-American, whether it's a Latino, 99% of the time they have committed a crime against another African-American or another Latino. It's just like in domestic violence. When a, when a married woman is murdered or a woman in a relationship is murdered in this country, and I think it's true in all countries, but it's certainly true in this country, most of the time the killer is the husband or the boyfriend. And the same is true in ethnic communities. The same is true in ethnic communities. The African-Americans who were getting stopped and frisked and, find, and, they, and they found weapons on them or they found that they had a record weren't going to go to Scarsdale or Larchmont and go rob someone and kill somebody there. They were on their way to do it in their own public housing projects or in their own neighborhoods. The victims of minority crime are other minorities almost all the time. The same minorities. So those people who think they're being compassionate, well, I'm not going to arrest uh, this guy over here because... Uh, you know, the fact that he's broken a window or jumped a turnstile, that's, you know, we rich white people shouldn't look down on that. that. That's okay in that community. No, it's not. Because for every kid who's jumped a turnstile or broken a window, there's 10 kids who are not jumping the turnstile and not breaking the window who deserve to be treated differently and better than the kid who did. Get it? It's a little simple. It's, it should be simple to understand, but obviously not simple to understand for the pandering politicians out there who don't care about right and wrong. Politicians have never really cared about that. They, they care about the vote and they care about financial power. Those are the two things that they really care about. And apparently they think that by not punishing pe- people for small crimes or even more serious crimes, they're going to get more money and power. Okay, they'll burn the, the city down in, in doing so, but may, you know, maybe it will, but it, it's not worth it. It's simply not worth it. So we've heard from our politicians who have been letting off the real perpetrators and letting them off in two ways, letting them off by not saying that they are the ones who are committing this crime and also letting them off by not giving them a chance to redeem themselves. Wouldn't it be great if Mayor de Blasio and Governor Cuomo said, like, look, African-Americans in our city and in our state have been committing these crimes. I call upon the leaders in the African-American community and just regular run-of-the-mill African-American rank-and-file people to, to, to speak to their friends, to speak to their congregations, to speak to their families, to say, this has got to stop. This is terrible. We want to talk with you, but we are asking you to do something. And it is another form of racism that they aren't even willing to do that. I get the feeling that they're dealing, what we're dealing with here in some cases is the racism of low expectations, which is a huge problem from elite whites in the way that they uh, deal with with minorities and things that have to do with much more than just anti-Semitic hate crimes. This is a common problem in America. We're also hearing from some journalists and Jewish journalists who are saying if the police presence is increased in the mixed Jewish and, and black neighborhoods in New York and New Jersey, this will send the wrong message to people of color. So I saw a very good tweet from someone who said, when Jews say they want to arm themselves to fight off this scourge of anti-Semitic attacks. The left says, no, we don't believe in, in people arming themselves. Guns are bad, 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 no matter what, okay? When the Jews say, hey, I want more cops to come into my neighborhood so that we can have some more protection, the left says, no, 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 
cops in the mixed Jewish black neighborhoods sends this terrible message to people of color that the cops care more about white people and Jews than them. Okay, so we're not allowed to do that either. How about we talk about how it isn't white supremacists who are committing these crimes, but it's people of color who are attacking us, and we really want to ask them to do better because obviously there are some good people of color who could churn this around. And they say, no, 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 you can't say that either. Let's not even mention that there are people of color. So, you know, the next choice is what? We, we commit mass suicide? I'm not really sure what the left is going to let us do as Jews trying to protect ourselves. But they're not too keen on guns, and they're not too keen on cops, and they're not too keen on telling the truth. And they certainly don't like the state of Israel that has a, you know, that basically has in its mission statement to protect you. So I'm not really sure what we're allowed to do other than just sort of disappear. And that, of course, is my way of saying don't listen to these people. We need to be doing all of the above. We need to have more armed security in our houses of worship and whenever we have large gatherings. And it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, we hear about the expense. Not if the individuals who are going to these events get trained and get carry licenses. And I think these days, I would think that it would be easier than ever to get the, the dispensations or the, 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 the permissions that you need to get a concealed carry if you are someone who is going regularly to Jewish services or Jewish events. We need to ask for more police protection at appropriate times. I don't want to overtax the police, and I don't want to make the police our personal security service, but there are times when the police should be at our houses of worship, high holidays, other times when Jews are on the streets in, in larger numbers. Yeah, we should, have, we should have more police protection. And yes, we need to go to the African-American communities and to their leaders and just say, I don't know where this anti-Semitism is coming from, but... The lies that someone has been telling you or you're hearing from some people in your community about Jews aren't true. And we can go down the list. Uh, I hear the lie every once in a while that the Jews own the slave ships that brought the slaves to the United States. Not true. Just not true. Uh, I hear the lies that uh, you know, when Jews move into an African-American community, they make everything more expensive. Also not true. Simply not true. Uh, Actually, for example, like in Jersey City, when that, when that Jewish family moved in with the Jewish supermarket, they were taking a, a blighted they, – they bought something in a blighted area. Either no one is going to buy the property there or it will be some kind of a national chain like Starbucks or, or McDonald's. I don't know what you – know, I guess sometimes they can add to a community. They certainly add better than having a, a blank storefront. I get it. Or an abandoned area. But that's not keeping money in the community. These people were living in the community in addition to – in addition to working there. That's what we need more of in America. Forget about the Jewish and the minorities and the, and the violent stuff. We need more small businesses in America. Small business is what makes job creation in this country. Big corporations, whenever they add jobs, usually take away jobs somewhere else. Big corporations don't add much of a net positive to job creation in this country. It's always small business, medium-sized business, a little bit more, but small businesses. That's, that's an economic reality. Uh, we can go on down the line. I mean, there are all kinds of incredibly horrific stories that you hear coming out of the African-American community about some crazy lies that they believe about Jews. And there was one woman, and I understand she's a low-level person, but an elected member of the school board in Jersey City who posted on Facebook a ton of these lies uh, about how Jews may be coming into the black community so that they could harvest their organs. I mean, incredible blood libel-level nonsense. And we need to be able to I, – I, honestly, I, I don't I, – I'm, I'm beyond the point of like of, – of the niceties and the politeness. 
I want to sit down with a large group of African Americans, with, with, with a bunch of Jews as well, and sit down and say, let's list all the crazy lies that are coming out of some parts of your community about us, and let's dispel every one of them. And it won't, as we know, facts don't change the minds of a lot of haters all the time, but at least maybe we'll, we'll stop the spread of it. The Jews didn't own the slave ships, okay? Get over it. The Jew- <laughs> in, in the 18th century, there weren't enough Jews to put a couple of pennies together to own a whole ship, let alone a bunch of slave ships. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's a stupid lie. The Arabs were the ones who controlled most of the slave trade, okay? <laughs> Which is one of the biggest problems that Islam has had with African Americans, and they've done a really good job of covering up that lie. And one of the things that they do to cover it up is they say it was the Jews. And, of course, people buy it. So, I mean, that's just an entirely different tangent. But I think it's time for that part. Yes, we should arm ourselves. We need to ask for more police protection. And we need to have this conversation with African Americans and say to them, I don't know where your anti-Semitism is coming from, but you tell me all the things that you believe about us. And let's talk about how they're all not true. And we'll figure out what you really have a beef with us about. And maybe if that is true, some of the things that are real, we can work on that together. That's what we need to do. I'm Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I hope for a more peaceful topic next week. Thank you.